Offscript with Trish Glow's intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. And in front of my mic today is Vince Vadreen from Irvine and Roberts, the winemaker. And we're on the road. We are. We're You're right my here. guinea pig. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having us. Or yeah. being here, rather. Yeah, I know. Um, so I had a, I want to call it a nightmare about this last night. I was so anxious that I wouldn't forget anything. Mm -hmm. I dreamt about doing the podcast. I forgot the microphones. I forgot my little memory cards. I forgot everything. <laughs> we couldn't set up the shot. So, um, but yeah, thank you for being patient. It took us a little bit of time. As you can see behind us, this is the gorgeous view here at Irvine and Roberts. It's a little smoky. It's a little smoky. Yeah, you said too bad you weren't here last week. <laughs> I know. It was, it's been a beautiful summer. It's been gorgeous. So, Vince Vadreen, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Tacoma, Washington. Washington boy. That's right. Grew up with siblings? I have a twin brother. Do you? And that's it. A twin. Mm -hmm. I've had a few twins on this podcast, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I always ask this question. I'm going to ask it again. I don't care. Do you guys have weird twin things that you do? No. Nothing? No. Uh, uh, Come on. You know, like, I think the definition of, like, twin telepathy is just, like, that nature-nurture thing that's, like, parallel. So you end up thinking and processing mm. the world in the same way. Okay. So, yeah, like, well, the finishing of the sentences. You do the, that? Yeah, we do that. Okay. Um, we do, uh, we're, we know what each other's thinking on, like, certain reactions. And we have, we have the worst, we have, like, the same bad jokes. Ooh, which that's I'm not, good. Which I'm not telling here. So. Sorry, I'm playing. I'm playing with the microphones. Um, mm. I did interview one gal who has a twin, and she said she would start humming a song, mm -hmm. or in her head. Mm -hmm. Wait, maybe it was it was one of them. They would start humming a song in their head, and then their twin would start humming it out loud. The same oh. song, like pick up at the same spot. Oh wow, that's creepy. That is weird. That's like alien stuff. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, we're not that weird. <laughs> we're weird. So you think. Um, what's your twin's name? Chaney. Chaney. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Like as in Dick? Like Dick. Okay. Yeah. C-H-E-N-E-Y? That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there a reason for that? Is like a family name? No. They they found it in, a, in like a book, you know? They, but interesting. The, the, the meaning was really interesting and sort of prescient. Like it... It means in old French, man of the woods. Hmm. And he, in college, studied forestry. No way. Yeah. So your parents essentially said, this is what you're going to do. You don't know it yet. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> they also said, like, don't get married too young. And, you know, neither of us are married. So Good. Yeah. That's good advice. Um, did you guys get along? Uh, we, we we're best of friends now. Growing up, um, we definitely had, you know, a little... A mm -hmm. little uh, angst let's call mm -hmm. it but wow. um actually we ended up going to the same college and it was then we realized how much we really like cared about each other we lived separately mm -hmm. and then it was like let's let's hang out let's do stuff let's eat pizza and drink okay. beer together nice what did uh, parents do uh my my father my dad was a doctor he was a, a surgeon mm -hmm. and my mother was an accountant nice is he retired now he's retired surgeon like general surgeon or uh urological Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So like vasectomies? He's, yeah, probably done a bunch of those. Okay. Yeah. So he's seen a lot of male body parts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good for dad. He, you know, he, he, he found, he found surgery and human anatomy and systems mm -hmm. very uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. But then also like he's a very uh, like emotionally con connected guy. 
Like, so I think like the the humanity part of the science was something that really worked with his identity. I like that. Um, So what were you like in high school then? Uh, Were you a big nerd? No, not really. No. no. I hung out with nerds and athletes. (laughs) Did you get into trouble? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Good. Yeah, for I think sure. That's, I think that's healthy. Yeah, yeah. We both we both got into trouble. We were, my yeah, my mother would probably kill me. But we were, yeah, we were like, we were, we always looked, my brother and I always looked um, older than everybody. Okay. And we, you know, we could go like purchase beer. Right. At a store. You don't have to whisper it. You're a man, <laughs> you're a grown ass man now. You can say we bought beer that's underage. Right. We bought the beer for the parties. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, that's. But we also we also did well in school and sports, and yeah. we were you know we had, I, I say we, but yeah, I mean like I had a mm-hmm. I had a I I I think it's like weird to tell people like I enjoyed high school, you know. I enjoyed high school. Okay. I mean, there are parts of it that I hated. Yeah. But yeah. For the most part. I think being that age is just a kind of a oh, pain in the, the ass. Oh, it's the worst. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Uh, and you guys went to the same college, you and your brother? We did. We went to Oregon State University. Oh, you came you came all the way down to Oregon yeah, to yeah, go to yeah. school. Why OSU? Uh, so I, I don't know. I kind of, personally me, like I I didn't uh, know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I think I was very focused on liberal arts. And I, was, I thought I was going to go to a small school. And then I had like a last minute freak out. Like I'm just going to end up an English teacher no, or something like that. You know, I'm going to yeah. end up like just routed into one thing. and Because you didn't know what you wanted to do? So, something like that, okay. you know. And so to me, like that, that answer, you know, which is, you know, not true, not necessarily true, not definitely not true for everybody, was to go to a bigger school with lots of options. Mm-hmm. Um, and also thrown into the mix was the, the athletic factor. And um, I ended up playing soccer on the soccer team there. Oh, at OSU. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then my brother um, wanted to study forestry, and they have a very good forestry yes, program. Do. And he also um, wanted to row on the crew team. Wow. So you guys were really like smarty pants, but then athletes too at the same time. We're we're like pretty good at most stuff. Not not <laughs> you know not excellent right at, at, at many things. <laughs> That's a good way to be. Just ride <laughs> ride the wave, right? We're, a little under the radar. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So, at some point though, in college, do you kind of does the light bulb ever go off? Do you figure out what you want to be when you grow up? Well, so all, yeah, all the all the buying of the beer like <laughs> got me interested in um, in in that why beers taste different. Yeah. A- and so um, we lived next to I lived next to this this store, and it was like it was kind of before it was cool for every store to have lots of different craft beers, and this store had like had so many beers it was so cool Mm -hmm. and I immediately like got drawn to this while everyone was going to like the Bud Light cooler I was like what what's going on here and um so I started I started homebrewing you know tasting all the beers really and then homebrewing how old were you 20 okay yeah but uh but yeah I mean the actually the homebrew supply store that's in Corvallis Corvallis homebrew supply Mm -hmm. um still just one of the best community like it's like a hub of people who are interested in fermented things. Um, they would sell you... Do you have to be 21 to get homebrew stuff? No. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. What kind of beers at this age stuck out to you the most? Uh, it was kind of right before the whole IPA thing was just blowing up. Yeah. And so I, I think I was the only one in my friend group that enjoyed IPAs. But, you know, I'd say actually like por- porters 
<clears throat> were something that were like really kind of fascinating to me, like that kind of richness that you could get from it, and like the textural. You know, it wasn't just about bitterness, but it was like the the broader textural, you know, yeah. uh, possibilities. So that was cool. That's surprising to me. <clears throat> I mean, I would just think a twenty-year-old palette wouldn't be. I don't want to say sophisticated enough, but I mean, you IPA is a big beer. Yeah. And some IPAs are bigger than others, and a lot of people don't like IPAs because they're just hoppy and yeah. Some say bitter. I think they're delicious and wonderful. Um, but I've, you, I've seen you at the at the beer store. I've seen you at the beer store. <laughs> we bonded actually when we when we shot. It was at the time I don't remember. It wasn't grape to glass, but when we shot that thing here, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I are we're supposed to be talking about wine, and we just ended up talking about beer the whole time. And hey, did you try this beer? And did you try this beer? It happens. Um, so at this point, are you thinking like, I, I want to make beer when I grow up? Uh, maybe no, I don't know. To be honest with you, I was still exploring. Like just I was, fun. I was still, t- I was taking. Well, so I got this idea. I just take classes like in every different department, you know. Okay. And right, you know, kind of right at that time that I came across uh, in the food science department, uh, intro to beer, wine, and spirits, two fifty one, um, and uh, there was yeah, there was a, a beer portion, a spirits portion, and a wine portion. And it was actually the the wine portion that the, it was that aha moment. I mean, I remember sitting, sit, remember sitting in that classroom, just like, oh my god, this is it. This is so cool, you know. Just the mm-hmm. and it was like the diversity of the whole thing. It was like the, you know, uh, that creative part, but also the, like the the science and the agriculture mm-hmm. and just the whole thing. Like you know, there's a, a, there's so many possibilities. Did you immediately find yourself having questions, like maybe for the first time in your life you discover something and then all of a sudden you have thousands of questions about this particular topic yeah actually uh like for me like I was always so interested in the humanities and then uh after that moment I actually like preferred the sciences like the biology chemistry Hmm. you know microbiology like all of a sudden this whole world of the sciences opened up for me it was it was a cool trigger actually so do you settle on a major at this point yeah, I I actually remember. Yeah, I you know just told them that I wanted to study study winemaking, and um, it's, so it's a food science degree. Um, initially, when I was starting, it was a, a fermentation science option. Okay. But while I was going to school there, they changed it and they made available uh, an enology and viticulture option. So I was actually the first student to get that chance. No way. Yeah, it was kind of cool. My professor was like, "Hey, this thing doesn't exist yet, but." If you're willing to take a risk for a year or so, it's more than likely going to happen. So mm-hmm. uh, I did it and graduated in, on time. And, wow. Um, it was kind of cool. That's impressive. Yeah. Making beer on the side. Yeah. Did you give that up a little bit? or Do you still make beer? I don't, no. You don't have time to make beer now. I should. I, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, we do enough cleaning in the winery up here. <laughs> like, I, I don't need to clean carboys. No way. Yeah. You want to go home and clean, <laughs> uh, do other crap. No. Um, so you graduate. Yeah. What's next for you? Uh, well, it was kind of cool. Like, my first job, um, my first, uh, kind of before I graduated, actually, was um, I was sitting, I was studying in a coffee shop, and some, some you know, nice nice looking lady next to me was like hey what you know what are you what are you studying and I told her and she's like studying the same thing and she'd actually been in the industry for a while so she got me my first job really yeah who was this person her name's Kelly Kidney okay Um, she's a winemaker up in the Willamette Valley thank you Kelly yeah Kelly is I owe a lot to that wonderful woman 
isn't it funny how when you open it's not funny when you open yourself up to like that say hi to someone strike up a mm-hmm. conversation the connections that you can make with certain people yeah and then the paths those connections take you it's amazing it's fun to just think about um especially if you look back on your life and oh yeah i met this person and they actually ended up getting me this job so what winery was a winery you were working at yeah uh it's in it's outside corvallis it's called uh Tai. And um, it's it's really old. It's been there since the 70s, or no, maybe early 80s. But um, they've been doing it for some time, and it really is just like a beautiful mom and pop farm. It's on a century farm. I mean, it was a century farm then, so they've probably been the families. The Buchanan's have probably had it for the last 140 years almost. Mm. And, uh, Did you start as a cellar rat? Yeah, just cleaning barrels, cleaning tanks, um, and then. Yeah, worked. Then after after school, worked for a number of different wineries. I mean, I'm sure you know this, but there's there's this cool thing that you can do in the wine industry, and that's to like bounce around and do internships, um, and they're paid um, typically, um, but all over the world. So I got to, I went and worked in uh, New Zealand, Australia. I worked in France. I worked in Napa, and I kept I come back to the Willamette Valley because I really uh, really love it. Loved it there. What about it? The Willamette? Yeah. Um, I think there was a, at least for the wine industry particularly, there was like a promise of, of potential and hope and, mm-hmm. and ascendancy, you know, like there was something really exciting happening there. Mm-hmm. And to be a part of that was, uh, was, was really cool. And I love, I love Pinot Noir and I love Chardonnay and I love Riesling and Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc, all these things that do well in this like, you know, fairly like warm but not cold or you know not hot environment exactly Uh, where did you work in France I worked in in uh, a little town in Burgundy um, just north of Bone sort of this the epicenter of Burgundy um, in a town called uh, Manilevier for a little winery called Henri Nodin Ferrand and it's just that sounds lovely it was it was really wonderful I mean I could go on about like how I just stayed with this little family, like in this uh, this old old stone building, and um, it was just uh, the whole thing was very personal. Like harvest there is very different in a traditional sense. All the pickers would come from all over France because they have like a month break in France, like most people do. You know, they have like a month off a year, and usually is like August, September, so that coincides with harvest pretty well. And they would come from all over and stay there and pick and then eat and drink and sing and dance and it was just it was it was like the it was a celebration sounds like my saturday night every every saturday night um but it's very much a like family style atmosphere where you work totally okay um and you mean harvest is different there because because people come from all over they don't necessarily necessarily work at this particular winery well or is it more of a celebration i I mean Yes, I mean, like, uh, it's like a celebration because these people have from all over. I mean, there was some folks from Marseille and Nantes and Paris and you name it, you know, Mm -hmm. all the whole part of France. And none of them were in agriculture, but, like, Ah. there's a connection to agriculture in France that's really interesting. You know, like, we have that here, but it's, it's, it's not as... I don't know. It's not. There's the connection's not quite as tight. I I feel like. I gotcha. You know. So it, you know, like it's not like it's not like people are like God. I really want to go to Iowa to harvest corn this year. <laughs> that you know. That's what I'd like to do with my with my vacation this year. But people people want to go and you know they get paid. 
yeah. um, the, in, in France. So they get these, these workers get paid and they're fed the entire time and they, they, mm. they're put up and it's just, a, it, I don't know, it's a lifestyle. Uh, my grandparents grew corn. They grew all sorts of things in South Carolina, corn mm. being one of them, lima beans being another. Mm. And my grandma could outpick anybody, anybody. And she would offer me five dollars to pick to pick a bushel of beans. Do you know how big a bushel I have is? No idea. It's this like huge <laughs> bucket. You know, I'm ten, maybe eleven, twelve, and I'd get out there for five minutes in the South Carolina heat, humidity. Yeah. And I was like, Grandma, I can't. And she's like, Okay. <laughs> and she'd be out there for hours. Oh man. I know. And this, I mean, I felt like such a jerk now looking back at that, but. Um, you learned something, didn't you? you I did. <laughs> but corn, because you said corn, that was definitely a family thing. Everybody came and picked the corn, and then you put it away. I mean, yeah. you, you had to because they had to have it for the rest of the winter. But yeah. my, mom, my mom's from Iowa, and, and, and you know, they, mm-hmm. they would go eat tons of corn all summer. So that was my, like, my summer memories, like mm-hmm. my mom buying corn like at least once a week. Always corn, always fresh tomatoes and cucumbers on the table. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, it did not matter. Like, there were always plates of sliced tomatoes and cucumbers. You're making me hungry. I know. (laughs) It's like almost (laughs) lunchtime. Okay, so you're bouncing kind of all around the world. Just studying, just absorbing everything you can about this industry. Totally, yeah. I mean, it's there's so many ways to, to do it, you know. There's so many ways to make wine. So I think it's really good. You know, no matter what you do in life, I think it's really good to get the broad perspective. At this point, do you know you want to make wine? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's clear to you. Yeah. And you want to make wine in the Willamette Valley? I never closed the door. You know, I mean, I'm here in the Rogue Valley. Yeah. Um, but I knew, I knew that there was something there that I that I loved, but there was also something there that like I I wanted to, you know. I still I still have that exploration gene. You know, I still. Mm-hmm need to to get out and explore and coming here is it's totally different and it's wonderful where did you work in the Willamette Valley uh, I worked a handful of places um, the places that had the most kind of impact on me early on was Amity Vineyards which is very old but mm-hmm. and then um, I worked for a guy named uh, Robert Britton uh, who I worked for for a lot of years he, he makes wine for himself and her Britton Vineyards Winderly Wine Company Fairsing Vineyards, Delancelotti Vineyards. He sort of, we actually, while I was with him, we moved into this warehouse space and made wine for about 10 different wineries. Wow. And so we were, you know, creating wines from different vineyards, different styles, working with different ownerships. Um, it was a really cool and dynamic experience. Was it, sorry, was it a custom crush type of facility? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, now there, you know, there's some really great, you know, like Barrel 42, Quaddy North, those guys make wonderful wines for a number of different people mm-hmm. it takes a ton of work a ton of skill and so uh, I think that's a good environment to learn and mm. so I, I, I really appreciated that and then after a while I, I wanted to try something a little different I went and worked for uh, a little winery called Domaine Serene um, which uh, is a pretty pretty well recognized winery in the I would Atlanta. say pretty much yeah it's, <laughs> it's fairly well known yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're 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 known yeah. so um but that was cool um and a uh, very different organization um really beautiful wines a little bit bigger in scale actually mm-hmm. um but they do a larger scale well um but in the end it just wasn't it actually was a little too big and it was a little too reaching um mm-hmm. actually it was uh, one of the cool things that brought me back to burgundy occasionally they bought a, a winery in burgundy 
um, in Saint-Nay in the southern Domaine part. Domaine Serene did? Domaine Serene did, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's called Chateau de la Craie. And um, we would go, a couple of us on the winemaking team would go occasionally to help guide the style there and make sure everything's aligned. So I got to kind of internally consult, which was which was really cool. Fun. Um, although if I didn't realize this, but traveling traveling and working and jet lag, very challenging thing to to deal with. Yeah. But overall, really cool. And uh, but but so um, I learned a lot, but ultimately wanted to be somewhere smaller, somewhere really family oriented. Okay, which we'll get to because you're kind of here at that in this moment. Um, Domaine Serene strikes me as the the winery that, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, that that's the stereotype that non-wine drinkers have of a very intimidating place to go drink wine. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of, um, I would say a lot of wineries actually in Oregon because they're so beautiful. Yeah. And there's a big glass and you see other people doing this swirly thing and sniffing. And if you've never been in that environment before, it's like, how do I do? Yeah. No, I think you, 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 you identified something really true and kind of, and in some sense is problematic, I think, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Great. Like I, I, I think it's wonderful to be able to come to a space and like feel like you're transported somewhere. hundred you know? percent. And, and I think places like that can do that. And it's nice to have nice things around you, but then you start to somewhere you cross this line this fuzzy line where it's like this is a little bit too much um, and I think there's there can be a class divide that starts to cre- to happen there which I don't really I don't love and appreciate um, but that wine wine doesn't have to be that way and, mm-hmm. and I don't think it, it needs to be um, I hope it isn't for people um, you know on the on the on the other end of the spectrum it's sort of tangent but like my brother's also a winemaker Oh. Yeah. And he works well, so... Of course. You, y'all are twins. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah, the forestry thing didn't work. <laughs> um, but I, he he um, he just he kind of fell in love with it, too. Um, but he works for Union Wine Company, which makes uh, the Underwood cans. Yep. And I love those wines, and I love the people there, and I love their mission. And, and I just, like, I really... I'm really hoping that there's some way that we can sort of... And we can all embrace each other's different styles and identities of, of wine and, and bring just bring wine into our lives in, in a more comfortable way in general to get rid of that sort of snooty thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, wine's really one of the oldest beverages for humans, mm-hmm. for humanity. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I will say I'll be the first to say I like going to a fancy winery and drinking out of a fancy wine glass just as much as I like going to the mom and pop winery where they're coming in out of the vineyards and they're dusty and they've got mm-hmm. their boots on and, you know, they pour some something out of the barrel into a plastic cup. I'm down with both of those ideas. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, this is farming and this is really, you know, the fruits of your labor yeah. and everyone else's labor. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things is like, you know, you go to, a, you go to most wineries in Burgundy and it's like some some old guy in like canvas green you know jumpsuit comes up and like you know just pulls out bottles with no no labels on them they just happen to know what it is and start pulling corks for you on a barrel in a in a dark cellar that's not very clean and then you know his like grandfather would probably uh-huh. started it uh-huh. it's and it's just there's something like and it's not like a it's not like they're they're not it's not creating a facade they're not like 
it's not an image it's just that's just who they are mm-hmm. and so yeah I think like I think seeing that is really cool I, I that's how Taiyi was for me that's how Amity kind of was for me right um, being in France that was that as well um, and then having that other going to the other side and like like seeing what it's like to 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 create these like world world renowned wines you know like it's it's a pretty interesting breadth to 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 walk for sure so speaking of connections and making connections you were working with robert bruton Mm -hmm. um were you looking for something different bigger better at this point in your life after after working with robert yes oh i think so it was interesting because it was like thinking about the connections and i was like well his daughter chelsea went to school with me and i met her in napa again years later oh really and and her boyfriend at the time i worked with and then she encouraged me to apply for this assistant wine making job with Robert. So yeah, all those connections just like totally match up. And Robert's actually, we'll skip Serene for now, but that's how I ended up here mm-hmm. is that right. Robert had been right. consulting for the Irvines and um, he kind of whispered in my ear, like, well, had you, had you thought about maybe Southern Oregon? Were you working at Serene at this point? Yeah. And, okay. I, and I was getting, I was kind of preparing myself to, to look for something else. What were you doing at Domain Serene. I was uh, one of these wonderful titles, uh, associate winemaker. <laughs> I don't know what that means still. <laughs> I don't know what my title means, so you're, it's all good. What, you're is, good what is your title? I am the executive producer of special projects. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds I cool. just do my thing, I work hard, and I, I leave it at that. Isn't, I think that's it, though, right? Like I think like doing the, doing the work and... and creating and and making things happen is kind of that's that's all that really matters well you know there's people who look at me and say i'm a tv anchor a tv reporter i consider myself a journalist Mm -hmm. so i mean i don't know it doesn't matter to me i i agree as long as you're doing the work and you're doing it with integrity and being ethical and kindness i i'm down i'm down with all that i like that um so yeah you're at domain serene but you're Mm -hmm. looking you are looking for something different. You, yep. I mean, at this point, do you want to be like the main guy, the main winemaker somewhere? Yeah, I, I think like the the draw to create something, to, to ideate and like strategize and create, you know, mm-hmm. execute. Mm-hmm. Like to be able to drive all those forces together. Um, that's there's something really fulfilling about that yeah. con- that idea. And I certainly, it certainly had been in my mind for such a long time. Um, and, you know, as you do this long enough, you, you just, you, you, you know where you would do things differently. And so mm-hmm. now I get to make all my own mistakes. For sure. <laughs> so Robert Britton, who you had worked with, he's consulting with Doug and Dion. Right. And Irvine and Roberts. Yeah. Um, yep. And he basically tells you, hey, this could be a potential job for you. I, th- I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I mean... I think, I think he thought, well, I don't think he actually thought it was the right fit, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't think initially he did. Okay. I think, I think after seeing, seeing the connection and seeing how it all works out and him realizing all, every, everything that, that I had picked up uh, along the way, I think he, he kind of, he knew that it actually was a perfect fit. Interesting. But um, initially, no. What's actually funny too, and I don't know if Doug and Dion told you this, but um, we uh, we met before I had worked at Domain Serene. You and Doug and Dion. Yeah. Okay. So we met because they came up 
it was their first consulting meeting with Doug and, with Robert uh, in the so, it was, so they'd come up to the Willamette Valley and we we had a tasting session together and um, I was like hearing you know I was looking at the plans for this winery and like hear, hearing about the wines and kind of tasting the wines real just kind of seeing there's potential there and I actually did do one of those like it'd be a cool job someday and um, and these people are awesome phenomenal yep mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah there was like that little that little seed got planted actually a long a long time ago interesting yeah um, that's that is pretty cool so this is kind of whispered in your ear do you meet Doug and Dion again like do you come down here I came down yeah the job was open and I, I um, yeah I was what was here when you came down? Was it the tasting room wasn't here, was it? No, there was a skeleton of two buildings. Um, okay. So the, the, these, these two buildings were four, three, four months away from being complete. Okay. Yeah. So how did Doug snag you? Well, Doug offered me the job like within an hour. <laughs> that sounds so typical. <laughs> and then Dion's probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to think about this. I think so, yeah. Um, and oh. <laughs> we... We hung out, we tasted, we had dinner, um, and then I went home and um, and and thought about it, and and Doug was like, and I waited a couple of days because I thought, you know, like I can't just dive in. I'm not, I'm not ready to move, you know, am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and so apparently Doug Doug was fretting the entire time, is what I've heard. But. Fretting. Were you doing like the, you know, dude doesn't call the girl back two day wait like Probably. the swingers like <laughs> like the swingers movie like you gotta wait a couple of days before you three call three days three yeah. days yeah no, um yeah I, re- I remember that yeah no maybe I don't know you had to think about it I had to think about it but I I remember this story after two days you were looking for a place to live in the Rogue Valley mm-hmm. yeah it was it was kind of hard but yeah yeah I was I was stoked as soon as I committed as soon as I knew it was gonna happen mm-hmm. it was a hundred percent and I'm a hundred I'm hundred percent here it's a wonderful place what about this vineyard do you love so much hmm. um i don't know yet there, there's i'm still like i feel like i'm still trying to understand it mm-hmm. um the soils are very different than what i'm used to and i don't have a lot of precedent that i've i've seen i've certainly never liked these they're really like sandy uh sandy sandstone derived soils there's some granite I don't know what the what what the that granite imparts. Um, we're irrigating, which is different than than in the Willamette Valley because mm-hmm. the soils are so thick and full of clay loam that they don't need to be irrigated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit warmer, but there's also this breeze which kind of shuts things down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we've we get into this really awesome sweet spot of like ripeness and freshness um, without actually getting into the like overripe spectrum of flavors um, and. There's also this like cool thing that happens because our potassium is low. We don't actually see um, that potassium react with the acids, which will decrease your overall acidity later on. So it, it, there's some interesting stuff. Like there's some things that are I think are pretty unique to this site. Well, and for a lot of people who visit this site, um, it's it kind of throws them for a loop because this is a view, for the most part, if you live in the Rogue Valley, you're just not... You've never seen this view before. Yeah, yeah. We're tucked back in this little behind a. We're up against the Cascades, but actually like on a little uh, butte called Dun Butte. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, many people know that. But we're right, yeah, right below, above Emigrant Creek, 
Um, and so you're really like isolated in this little valley up against the mountains. Yeah. It's like, I feel like you're right smack dab up against the mountains. Mm-hmm. Like they're right there. Yeah. And it, I mean, for me, like this looks like California, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially right now. Right. Right. Sure. Um, but like, I mean, you can see almost to California from here, you know, if, know. We, were, if we were high enough. That's crazy. Um, but it's, it's a, it's very different. And, but at the same time, like, I, I think, I think for me, like that's really attractive. You know, it's something that's, that's a, it's a little bit of a unicorn, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a funny story. So I was actually like the week. Anytime someone <laughs> says unicorn and starts giggling, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. This is a dumb story, but when I was, when I, um, I, I got a call to get the, to have the interview to come down and I was at a friend's in the gorge, um, with my girlfriend and, and with, um, with some, some friends there and they're like, she's like into tarot cards. I'm I'm not, Mm -hmm. but like I pull this like unicorn tarot card and you know, there's, there's, there was something, there's something still unicorn themed about this about this job i know I, that sounds that sounds strange now that's coming no, out but no i think um, that sounds perfectly normal this is this is my kind of unicorn spot yeah i i, <laughs> I absolutely believe that um when you took on the job here there were wines that had already been made mm-hmm. so are we in the if you're in the tasting room right now we're tasting vince vadrine's wines we're we're okay so ish, ish yeah so the 2016s were fermented over at Barrel 42. Okay. They did a really wonderful job. Um, and, but they, most of them came over here. Mm-hmm. The, so some of them got bottled there, but I was able to be a part of the, you know, kind of drive some of the blending, the blending process, drive the kind of finishing touches um, and get it to bottle. And then the the rest, of, most of the Pinot Noirs actually came over and we, we, we blended those and put those in bottle. So, their family, their stepchildren, their who, who I love, you know, that's like a pejorative term, stepchildren, but like, but they are, you know, like I, I like they, I love them, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm proud of them. Um, They're not quite yours. Yeah, which is fine. I but mean, a it's little great. of yours. I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm very, I'm happy that they were like, I'm honored there in my life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, JP Vallo. Uh huh. Uh, he was talking about one of his barrels that he's making for the barrel auction for Oregon Wine Experience, which we'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. And he called it, at that moment in time, it was his teenager. Yeah. It says all of them are his babies, but this one was a teenager, a little tumultuous, <laughs> a little confused. I and, like that. you know, it's, it has to progress. It has to mature. Yeah. So. That's a classic European thing to say, too. Like, uh, I mean, I know he's from, he's from South America, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, elevage, like the period of time that, like, is, that's what they call like, like when wine's in barrel it's it's an élevage mm. which is like going to school in French like a élève is a student okay i feel like i'm still in élevage in my <laughs> life i'm a little tumultuous and not sure where my mission is um but the wines so 2017 17 was the first vintage that we processed that we made here um at the winery and and um so those we started um well oh and the rosés so mm-hmm. like the 18 rosé the nineteen, the nineteen rosé, those, um, those were both mine. But the seventeen uh, uh, Pinot Meunier, we're now pouring here, which is really cool. And That's really exciting. Elegant. Yeah, it was. It's been, it's been a joy, you know. Um, and there's planting going on too, mm-hmm. or ha- it's been ongoing. Yeah. What grows really good on this, on this property, in your opinion? 
um, right now. Right now, well, I don't. I mean, both both Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Meunier are what we grow, and I think they're doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. I have some rootstock preferences. I have some colonial preferences, but diversity is cool. So, like taking different types, different clones, clonal selections, mm-hmm. is gives gives us like more to work with to create something with with more identity. Okay. Um, what we've planted next door, we've planted some more and different. Chardonnay clones, mm-hmm. um, some of them really interesting that I'm super excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, a cu- another s- couple more Pinot Noir selections that I think are going to do really, really well here, and I'm excited about. And then we planted some more Pinot Meunier, a mm. uh, couple new selections there, and then a couple of selections of Gamay Noir, which Ooh. I'm really excited about. I've I've actually been recently getting into Gamay Noirs. They're fun. They're fun. They're really beautiful. They're like for those who like, I know this is like terrible. People would be like, "Really, you're saying this?" But I feel like there's somewhere between, you know, like you get like the black pepper and meatiness, for, like uh, in in Gamay Noir that's that's similar to Syrah, mm-hmm. but you have a little bit more less sort of red fruited elegance mm-hmm. that you can get from Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they also it also grows in between the Rhone and Burgundy, Beaujolais. So it's sort of in between those areas. So it kind of there's it sort of makes sense for me. And then also, I feel like we, we're in a slightly warmer growing region, and I think that I think that Klein that 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 uh, clonal work uh, that variety will work really well in that climate. Nice. I like that some employee just pulled up, totally base yeah. open. Yeah, it was nice. He's, he... ex- he's excited to be at work today. <laughs> um, I had a friend recently bring over a bottle of Gamay Noir, and I'm tasting it, and I'm like, you know, this really reminds me of like. A nice Beaujolais, like that's what it really reminds me of. Yeah. Well, lo and behold, Bam. I know. I felt really proud of myself, like pat on the back. That's awesome. Like I kind of know what I'm talking about. You know what you're talking people. about. People, just a tiny little bit. Um, who, no, that's really exciting. Who made it? Pfft, I don't that's know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you know Sarah Gar? Yes. She brought it over. Oh, cool. Yes. She's she's lovely. She is lovely. Yeah. She is lovely. I think she's she's a talented young winemaker. I know. Look out, everybody. Yeah, she's she's on the rise with that. Um, so, I guess moving forward here at Irvine and Roberts, mm-hmm. are you here for a long time? What's your mission? Yeah, I want to be here and see this place really succeed, really be on the map. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really think this site has a trim, like a lot of potential. I think it's I think it is a unicorn. How so on the map? Do you want people from outside the area to specifically come here? Yeah, I do. I want. I really would. Like, I really want people to think, like, gosh, where where in the United States do they make really great Pinot Noir? And they're like, oh, well, the Willamette Valley makes really Oregon. But also, there's this little spot in southern Oregon that makes amazing Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's there's this, that they have that there's they have to say, oh, yes, there's also someplace else beside the Willamette Valley. And, you know, I I, I guess I'm realistic that, that, you know, the critics and the writers will always glom on to certain places. But I think I think we can buck that trend. I know? do too. And if we can change just a few minds, a few opinions on that, I think that would be amazing. I think like, and I think the way to do it is just really drive hard on quality. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, if you believe it and you work hard for it, it you know, I, I think we can achieve it. So. Amen. Uh, Pinot Meunier. That's a grape that is traditionally grown for bubbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, are there a lot of places making Pinot Meunier for like just as is? No. In fact, I think once we plant, like now that we have three clones planted, it's probably the most diverse selection of planting in 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 the U.S. Maybe 
uh, certainly in Oregon. That's fun. It's cool. Yeah, I never thought we'd be like Pinot Meunier specialists, but I think I think we will be, mm-hmm. and it will never be. Uh, well, I shouldn't say never. Um, in the in at least in the near future, it's never going to be a huge part of of our overall production. But you know, right now we make a couple hundred cases a year. Um, with this new new planting, we'll have closer to 400 uh, cases a year. Wow! Which is a, it's a good little yeah, good little chunk. That's a good little chunk of change for sure. Um, we're gonna wrap up a little bit, but I want to get to Oregon wine experience, mm-hmm. which is coming up fast. It is. It's right around the corner. Um, Irvine and Roberts is making a barrel mm-hmm. for the Founders Barrel Auction, and just to kind of recap, Founders Barrel Auction, kind of a, a nod to the founders of what at one point was World of Wine, um, and then it turned into Oregon Wine Experience and became a fundraiser. So a lot of wineries have decided to donate a barrel that you've created, something very special, Mm -hmm. to be auctioned off and proceeds go back to Children's Miracle Network. Why did you guys decide to um, go in this year for a barrel? Um, We've been supportive of the Children's Miracle Network and Asante Foundation for a long time. Dion serves on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's something that we believe in. It's something you know, and it, also we believe in the community. You know, it's it's a it's it's a broad. You know, it, it brings it brings so many people, it connects people, mm-hmm. um, and it helps people. And um, you know, we we feel strongly of being a part of it. And and I think like I'm honored to get to contribute something to that personally. Um, not to mention that O W E is F U N. It is fun. All capital letters. It is such a fun time. And the Founders Barrel Auction is actually my favorite event. Yeah. I love the idea that um, there's a winemaker, the winemaker at Abasala actually says his wine that he's making is a unicorn wine. Oh, yeah, that's right. Can't get it anywhere else. This is the only place you'll ever be able to taste this particular wine, but probably the same for you, yeah? For sure, yeah. This year we're making Chardonnay. Really? Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I actually was thinking about being in that tent so many people it's it's summer you know it's a little warm i think chardonnay is going to be really refreshing but also it's it's you know we put something together that's that's a little bit more you know i mean it's it's fresh but it'll also be you know powerful and interesting and i think it's nice the idea you're walking around tasting these wines let's say someone bids on a case of your chardonnay Mm -hmm. that's really the only time they're ever going to get that particular wine that's true super exclusive yeah unicorn it's a unicorn. Unicorn again. The trends. <laughs> That's right. The trends in this podcast, and unicorn is one of them. <laughs> I love it. Um, will you be out there on that Friday? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Thieving from the barrel? Yeah, th- thieving for sure. Thieving. Sharing. Sharing. Sharing the love. Yes. A lot of people, um, they they share a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you said fundraiser earlier because it is definitely a fundraiser. It is super, super fun. Um, and again, that's the Founders Barrel Auction for Oregon Wine Experience. And if you want more information, you can go to OregonWineExperience.com. All right. Let's wrap up and get to the final three. Oh, yeah. I prepped you on these. You did. And I'm so excited for the last of the final three because you're a foodie and a, a wine and beer drinker and other things. Um, mm-hmm. Best advice you've ever been given, Vince? See, this was the one that I had the most trouble with. Good. Um, and I like I apparently don't listen to people's advice because <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any. Um, and I was actually it was fun. It was fun because I was like walking around this morning asking my colleagues like, "What's the best advice anyone's ever given you?" And um, actually, one of them really was cool. Um, uh, Anna, my assistant, mm-hmm. um, her father Platon, who you probably oh, know. Oh, Jay Valen. 
uh, right? from the Jacksonville and yeah, 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 yeah. Platon, amazing man. I would assume I don't know any other Platons if you haven't, than him. You, that would actually be a wonderful podcast. Okay, done. Yeah, I'll call up tonight. Yep, <laughs> Platon, I need you. He would do it. Um, he uh, his advice his advice was really cool. It's like, and it, and it goes right along with what we were talking about earlier about connections, and that's to always give people you know respect and and you know let them in you know. Because uh, you never know. I mean, you never know. Something might happen. Nothing might happen. But, but always remember that you should, you should, you know, you should give people that chance. Interesting. And that's kind of how you are where you are right now. I think so. So it was really cool to hear. That is really cool. Okay. Well, shame on you for not following advi- or remembering other people's <laughs> advice. Like nothing from mom, dad, nothing. <laughs> I t- they said not to get married. I, that was okay. See, there you go. <laughs> oh, my girlfriend will not be pleased about this. <laughs> We're just kidding. We're just kidding. Just kidding. Um, you've lived in Southern Oregon how long now? Uh, two years, two months. Okay, so and it's funny the podcast I had interviewed just before then. He's also new to the Rogue Valley, mm. so this question may be rough for you. I don't know if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon. What mm. would bring you back here? What would you miss the most? Yeah, this one I was like pretty easily. Um, I, yeah, I came to easily was like I live in I live in Ashland, mm-hmm. um, which I, I love Ashland, mm-hmm. and I live downtown, and that was sort of the thing. One of the things that drew me uh, to it was this like s- this small community with so much life that's literally tucked up against the wilderness, you know. And you can walk out your door, and there's mountain biking r- trails to run. There's skiing up if you can get high enough. Mm-hmm. It's it's like very few places that I know of can you walk out your door and have that and as, as right someone, at your fingertips right there yeah i mean yeah. like there's no excuse why i'm not out there every day you know it's it's that close um it's and it's a gem and it's it's really something that i don't know where else i'd find interesting mm-hmm. okay sir final meal final drink yeah um i mean that could go on forever but go you can have courses <laughs> you can have courses uh uh, Liz Juan literally gave me like a, a 12 course. She just like pulled out a menu. Pretty much. <laughs> she's like pulled out her notes. Like she's at the Grammys and she has to have all these people to thank. Yeah. That's awesome. She just like did like a Thomas Keller cookbook or something. Oh. Um, I, I, so mine, like <clears throat> I really identified like first would be like a, it'd be just some really fresh tomatoes and like, like a summer salad. Mm-hmm. But like the thing I'm really like, I realized was like my like my mother's my parents like paella but with like all the best seafood in the world so like the best like the some of the scallops I've had you know like the Puget Sound like clams mussels from New Zealand Dungeness crab I mean just like all these things you know like in the paella the most expensive paella just on yeah the planet. got it okay <laughs> you can conceive of okay uh, maybe oysters to start actually with some with some bubbles but and I would say like my right now my like heart is with chardonnay so like with the bubbles blanc de blanc um with the with the paella um just like chardonnay just uh really beautiful Mm -hmm. elegant like long and 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 fresh 
and lush and just you know that like that perfect chardonnay that everyone kind of like is always reaching for fantastic yeah. is this paella spicy at all yeah, spice it too? has. Yeah, it's got to have the pimenton or whatever mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's got saffron, of course. Of and, course. And it's got um, tr- like Spanish chorizo, you know. Oh great, yeah, the dry. Sp- yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, love, love that. So it's not like I'm a spice, a spice fiend, but mm-hmm. like I wouldn't want it to screw up the fish. Right. Of course. Yeah. Did your parents make paella a lot? Yeah, they actually. My birthday was like two weekends ago, and they made paella. So maybe that's just fresh in my head. But like, awesome. I was. It was maybe it was just one of those like moments. I'm like, I want to hold on to, you know. For sure. Yeah. And you want it back. Yeah, and oh, and and my yeah, it'd be great if my brother was there at the table too. Right. That'd be. Well, you're twins, so it would probably yeah. be your both of your final meals. I don't know. Have <laughs> happen like at the same right time. Right there. Which is so morbid to think yeah, about. Yeah, that's but a sad way to go. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're talking about food. It's all good. Well, my my father the. My father, the doctor, the the one who's like always talking about death, you know, yes. like it, this fits right in. It would be perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you, Vince Vadrine, for contributing to the wine world here in Southern Oregon. Thanks, Trish. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Um, and I also just love this this wine community we have here. It's great. It's pretty awesome. I'm it, I'm honored to be here. There's so many wonderful people. Uh, it's it's a beautiful place to be. Well. We're lucky to have you. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. You can also listen to this on Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Check out video portion at ktvl.com. Just click on features and then off script. One more time, Vince Vadrine of Irvine & Roberts, the winemaker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Trish.